0: Welcome to the Georgia Today podcast from GPB News. Today is Monday, June 19th. I'm Peter Biello. On today's episode, the state Supreme Court prepares for arguments in a wrongful death lawsuit involving Tift County Sheriff's deputies. Macon commemorates the Juneteenth holiday. And first it was peaches. Now the state's watermelon crop is affected by the unusual spring weather we've been having. These stories and more are coming up on this edition of Georgia Today. The state Supreme Court is scheduled to hear arguments tomorrow in a wrongful death case involving the Georgia-Tift County Sheriff's Office. The lawsuit alleges Tift County deputies were negligent in April 2019 when they loaded James Aaron McBrayer face down into the back of a patrol car with his hands and feet restrained. That's where he died after being left unattended for more than 10 minutes. His widow, Sherry McBrayer, filed the suit. The Tift County Sheriff argued successfully in lower courts that sovereign immunity barred the lawsuit filed by his widow. She's asking the state Supreme Court to decide whether the vehicle must be in use as a vehicle and not a holding cell for sovereign immunity to apply. The fight over the indictment of six jailers in the death of a Fulton County inmate also resumes tomorrow in the state Supreme Court. The six were indicted for criminal offenses, including the murder of inmate Antonio May in September 2018 the Fulton County Superior Court threw out the indictment, saying the jailers were quote, peace officers, and had been entitled to appear before the grand jury in their indictment. The state appealed, saying the wrong definition of peace officer was applied, and these six were not entitled to appear. The jailers are represented separately, but their case tomorrow will be argued together. Today is Juneteenth, and in Macon, the holiday commemorating Black Liberation was marked with a first-ever Juneteenth parade in the city. GPB's Grant Blankenship has more. The sun broke through the rain just in time for the late morning parade. At the head of the procession was Macon's Streetline Percussion Group, led by Sedavian Waller. I'm aiming for a lot of rhythm, <laughs> a lot of rhythm. I, wanna, I want everybody that's out here to move ahead. That's my agenda today. Because, as Waller says, Juneteenth, which remembers the day enslaved people in Texas learned they were free, is for celebration. Eileen Anderson Jordan grew up in Macon, but didn't learn about Juneteenth until she was in the military in the 1990s. Now that it's both a federal and Georgia state holiday. We're excited about it. We want to be a part of it. We celebrate St. Patrick's Day, Cinco de Mayo. Now we have a day for ourselves. Dela Burke says Juneteenth is a spotlight on black culture. And I feel that black culture is American culture. It's about standing in, standing firmly in who you are, sharing your story and being happy to be free. That's what American is, um, liberty, freedom, and the principle of the pursuit of happiness. Organizers are looking forward to the second annual Juneteenth Parade in Macon for 2024. For GPB News, I'm Grant Blankenship in Macon. Commercial operation of a new reactor at Georgia Power's nuclear plant Vogel has been delayed for at least another month. GPB's Devin Zwald has more. Georgia Power said Friday that Unit 3 has a problem in the hydrogen system that cools its electrical generator. The company now estimates the reactor will begin reliably producing electricity in July instead of June. Vogel is already seven years behind schedule and its cost to its owners has more than doubled to $31 billion. From the GPB Newsroom, I'm Devin Zwald. If you like hearing the news from around the state here on Georgia Today, you'll we'll probably like hearing how Georgia's agriculture economy feeds the country and the world on a fork in the road. I'm David Zelski, and on the Fork in the Road podcast, we feature stories from Georgia's farmers, fishermen, merchants, artisans, chefs, and others who help provide Georgia-grown products to folks in the Peach State and beyond. Find it online at gpb.org podcast or download it on your favorite podcast platform. Georgia is among the top adopters of solar energy across the South, but still lags in rooftop solar panels. Those are the findings in an annual solar energy report released last week by the Southern Alliance for Clean Energy. The report estimates Georgia's solar capacity at just under 4,000 megawatts last year. That's up from 3,000 the year before. The growth comes mostly from large utility-led projects. The report criticizes a Georgia Public Service Commission decision not to expand a popular rooftop solar program. The Biden administration has announced more than $12 million for broadband in northwest Georgia. The money will fund the construction of a 185-mile fiber route that will pass through eight counties between Atlanta and Chattanooga, Tennessee. Those counties include Douglas, Carroll, Harrelson, Polk, Floyd, Chattooga, Walker, and Fulton. The effort is part of the Biden administration's nearly $1 billion middle mile program, which is designed to fund the construction, improvement, or acquisition of broadband infrastructure to connect communities, military bases, and tribal lands to the internet. A new report finds chronic underfunding of the nation's public health system is leaving states unprepared to deal with increasing needs. The report recommends a large increase in the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention budget. GPB's Ellen Eldridge has more. The Trust for America's Health report finds the CDC budget has risen just 6% in the last decade and needs a 26% boost to catch up. Its director, Dara Lieberman, co-authored this year's report. She says insufficient funding in key program areas include emergency preparedness and chronic disease prevention. So even though, you know, six in 10 Americans have a chronic disease, about 40 percent of adults um, have obesity and that's causing a lot of health care costs and disabilities. It's we really are chronically underfunding that system. The organization recommends at least eleven point five billion dollars in CDC funding next year. For GPP News, I'm Ellen Eldridge. A breach on a transmission main has now been fixed, but the city of Sandy Springs is still under a boil water advisory. Repairs were completed this morning, but the city of Atlanta's watershed management is waiting for confirmation that the water is free of contamination. That may take up to 24 hours. All residents and businesses that have experienced service loss or low water pressure are advised to boil all water prior to use or use bottled water for drinking, cooking, preparing baby food, or brushing teeth. Last summer, an early heat wave sent some watermelon farmers in Georgia rushing to pick the fruit before it burned on the vine. This year, farmers and consumers are having to wait for Georgia watermelons. GPB's Sophie Gratus has more. It normally takes about 70 days to grow a Georgia watermelon from flower to fruit, says vegetable production specialist with the University of Georgia Extension, Ted McAvoy. But a cold and rainy May this season prevented bees from pollinating watermelon vines. That pollination wasn't occurring, so we were getting flowers and and no fruit. More flowers, no fruit. So it just got delayed. It'll be a couple more weeks before Georgia watermelons show up in stores, McAvoy says, about 10 days later than usual. For farmers, that's cutting it close to the 4th of July holiday. You know, that's when your demand is highest and that's when the price is highest. But McAvoy warns farmers not to pick the fruit early because a sweeter watermelon likely means a return customer. For GPB News, I'm Sophie Grotas. In sports, the Atlanta Dream hope to complete a perfect four-game road trip tomorrow when they face the Dallas Wings. The Dream beat the Indiana Fever 100-94 yesterday behind Alicia Gray's 25 points. Atlanta set season highs for single-game scoring and field goal percentage at just over 56%. And the Atlanta Braves are off today after completing a four-game sweep of the Colorado Rockies yesterday by a score of 14-6 in a Sunday series final. Eddie Rosario homered twice and drove in a career-high six runs. He's hit homers now in his last four games, and he's also been drawing walks, which manager Brian Snicker says is incredibly helpful. Eddie's a really good hitter, and there's nothing wrong with taking a walk. It's a really big thing, especially when you got a lineup full of guys coming up behind you that can do what they can do. Michael Harris II hit a career-high five hits in yesterday's game, including a home run. The Braves begin a three-game series tomorrow against the Phillies in Philadelphia. Spencer Strider is expected to get the start. And that's it for this edition of Georgia Today. If you want to learn more about any of these stories, visit our website, gpb.org news. Remember to subscribe to this podcast. We will be back with you tomorrow afternoon with all the latest headlines. And if you have feedback or a story idea we want to hear from you, send us an email. The address is georgiatoday at gpb.org. I'm Peter Biello. Thanks again for listening. We'll see you tomorrow.